What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today we are going to be talking about the book, The Elements of Ritual, Air, Fire, Water, and Earth in the Wiccan Circle by Deborah Lipp. So, a little bit about this. The book came out in 2003. And for Deborah, New Yorker, love that. Love that. No. Jinx. <laughs> Initiated in 1981 into the Gardnerian tradition. In 1986, she became a high priestess and she has been teaching ever since. She's also appeared in A&E's documentary, Ancient Mysteries. Okay. Pretty cool, right? I kind of would like to see that. Right? So one of the things I liked about this book and why I suggested that we do it is simply because, you know... We say things like cast a circle, um, you know, call the quarters, talk about the elements. We even had a whole episode on elementals. But what does it all really mean? This is a deep dive, right? And since I start with a quote, let me start with a quote. When you finish reading it, meaning the book, you'll know what every step of the circle casting ceremony means, why it's there, and what it accomplishes. And I cannot think of a better way to start this book. Yeah. Because whether you're just starting out or whether you've done this for a while, I feel like she opened up my eyes to a lot of different things, made me see practice and ritual in a different way. And I I love this book. So that's what this book is all about. Just people listening out there. Um, she also made a Star Trek joke <laughs> in the beginning of the book. So Well, you know, that's so funny. Let's talk about it. Um, so she, she makes this joke. She says, certainly there are religions out there, even very popular ones that are jury rigged together, like the engines of the enterprise. There are theological doctrines that seem little more than post facto justifications for meaningless or questionable practices. And I saw a TikTok the other day. I I see a lot of TikToks these days. Um, but it was a, why do I feel like maybe... It wasn't, no, you didn't send it to me. You definitely wouldn't have sent this to me. It was a a pagan TikToker who was like, we're, a lot of us are doing this reconstruction work, trying to bring religions from the past into a modern context. And the, the religions that have done that are Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism. And so as much as there is a lot of hate in the community for those religions. They also kind of should be inspiration for us because they demonstrate how to bring a religion from the past into a modern context. But I think that that is sort of what Deborah is referencing here, this idea that like sometimes when you bring these things from the past, they don't quite make the same sense. And so a thing that an ancient Christian or an ancient, you know, pagan would have deeply understood based on their life experience is not going to transfer correctly into the modern understanding. Um, I thought it was a very interesting quote for her to make at the beginning of the book as well, because a lot of times we don't talk about this, the actual steps of what we're doing and why we're doing it and like how it works. And for me, I have felt in the past that like casting a circle is kind of jury rigged. 
Like, here's, there's like a, a couple of steps you have to do, and I didn't really know how you get from one step to the other, and you just have to say these things. And so this book is really helpful, and it's something that I want more of in the community to be like, let's just deep dive and really understand fundamentally this thing that we consider basic, because if it's so basic, we should understand it. I agree. You know, I'm not angry at the fact that she talked about those other religions because there's, there's something else we have in common with them is that to move forward in any of the religions, a lot of times you have to drag people kicking and screaming into yeah. the modern world and witches are not exempt from that. Yeah. In a lot of ways, a lot of people do not want to change how things are done. And that's just as bad as saying, well, you know, Thank God the new Pope has agreed to this because the old Pope didn't. And we're talking about Catholicism. You know, people, a lot of people just need to be dragged along. We're no different. I think it's a very, I, so I've mentioned on the podcast before that I'm vegan. And I was, I think, a little bit more militant about this when I started being vegan. But um, one of the things that I've really come to realize is that, and this is because as a vegan, I do a lot of like environmental research and stuff. We idolize the past as a society so much. And you see it a lot in like eco-fascist language about like overpopulation and like how we are destroying the environment. Like, yeah, listen, do we do things that are bad? Are we doing things that are like unsustainable? Absolutely. But we are still as a globe overwhelmingly better off than we were in the 1500s, in the 1300s, in, you know, pre-Christian times. Yeah, it's bad and we need to fix those things. But idealizing this past, you know, a lot of people, especially in the keto movement, idealize these hunter-gatherer societies. Like this is the epitome of human. Okay, I love that you love that, but we have more food now than those hunter-gatherers ever did, right? As a globe. Are we absolutely exploiting the global south? Yes. But the globe is still better. Yeah. <laughs> like modern times are not that bad. And I think a lot of times this language of like idealizing the past is a way to avoid responsibility for the future. You know, and I, I don't see it that way. I think you're right. But usually when I hear people idealizing the past, I think they don't really understand the components of what they're talking about. Like they don't really understand, like when people talk about, and I don't want to get into that, but vaccines, right? Mm -hmm. And people pulling on these things. Well, I heard this. They're pulling on sound bites. Yeah. And for a lot of people, these sound bites are their knowledge base. Like a sound bite is yeah. a sound bite. What did it actually mean? Why don't you do a deep dive into what that means? And I think for a lot of people, it's just, it's, willful ignorance just like I, I got this I know this let me tell you what I know like do you really yeah fair because I willfully was ignorant about casting circles and Wiccan ritual and this book is like hey here I'm gonna just explain all of it to you and I'm like wow this actually changed my understanding in a really helpful way well but you're also not Wiccan no but I yes but I mean like when you started in 2000 and five oh, there wasn't really any other option yeah I see what you're saying. you were wicked by default <laughs> i also think 
that you see a lot in books when they say, well, you know, the difference between witchcraft, if you're taking it as a religion, and other religions is that other religions don't have you ask questions. However, we've taken that don't ask into witchcraft because a lot of things that she talks about in this book, it never occurred to me to ask. It yeah. never occurred to me that I should find out what it means or why we do certain things. And there's one thing in particular that we'll get to that I was like, you know what? She's so right. And it just kind of blew my mind in a way that it never occurred to me to ask. And I just think that that could come from a society that with certain things, you take them, even though we're told don't take witchcraft at face value, question mm -hmm. everything. But I think to a certain degree, when we say question everything, but yet someone says, okay, this is how you ground and center. Why? We don't think to ask why. We go, oh, this is how yeah. you ground and center. And I think everybody has a little bit of an idea. Why do you cast a circle? Why do you ground and center all these things? But not to this depth. It's something that gets kind of uh, metaphorically or in some cases literally beaten out of you as a child. Mm. Because all the time, why? 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 Mm -hmm. Why? And like, yeah, no, that's super annoying. I'm not going to pretend like when kids ask why all the time, it doesn't grate on my last nerve. But beating that out of children makes us a less inquisitive society of adults. Yeah. I think instead of telling kids, don't ask why, just say, okay. I can't answer your questions all the time. We're going to write them down. Yeah. You're going to ask me three today. You're going to ask me another three. We're going to get through all of your answers. But if you ask me 50 now, I will be exhausted. Yeah. You know, I think letting people know, little people, right, kids, that you need to have all these questions. But you can barrage somebody with like 100 yeah. questions in 15 minutes because their head's going to explode. But these are good questions. They deserve answers. Let's have a system for doing that. And maybe if we did that as adults, we would know, okay, I have all these questions and they're really valid and I'm going to get answers to all of them in good time. Yes. I love that. Yeah. We need to change that then. To because, the yeah. person who asked us months ago to mm -hmm. talk about Wiccan parenting, witchcraft and parenting, just wanted to throw this one in for you. Yeah. I think next year, probably a good year to talk more about Wiccan parenting right yeah maybe after a holiday or so we can start talking about that yeah um she goes into the steps of ritual we've seen that before yes and then she goes into the four elements in a way that i hadn't seen it for example breaking down the elements in religion from air being theology to earth mm -hmm. is doing the thing fire unifying it's the mysticism part. Yeah. She, she focused so much time on the elements and really having us to understand what they symbolize. Yes. Aside from being air, earth, fire, water, but what do they also symbolize in different mythologies? In you know, if you're, if you're really going to do a deep dive into earth, what does earth even mean to you when you're thinking about it, you know? It's, you could see it as the mother earth that gives us everything. You could see it as planting your feet firmly on the earth, which she mentions at one point, right? This idea of, you know, does it, it grounds us literally because gravity keeps us to the earth. <laughs> yes. Right? So all these things that she wants us to really consider, take it out of the magical and say to yourself, if someone says fire to you, what is it that comes to mind in a mm -hmm. lot of different angles? 
and make sure you have that because having all that information is going to help you when you want to work with fire or when you need to work with fire, right? Having all those um, connections is really important. I really appreciate it um, once she goes in to talk about the fifth element Hmm. that the first sentence of this entire description is the Hindus have five elements, air, fire, earth, and spirit, akasha. It just, it, it felt a little bit like a land acknowledgement. Yes. You know, like the, the first thing I'm telling you is where this came from. And I appreciated that because I do, I, I think, I don't think, I know, we know this. There is a lot of stuff that was taken by Gardner and Crowley from Hindu practice and was kind of never acknowledged. Right. You know, everybody knows chakras came from East Asia, but a lot of other things have never really been acknowledged. And so just to have that acknowledgement at the front was really, I liked it. It made me feel good. It made me feel like I could trust Deborah a little bit more. For me personally, I think, and maybe I'm wrong. So if somebody knows of another book that we've talked about that has it, let me know because I could have forgotten. I don't feel that I've heard Akasha attributed to Hindu in other books. I also do not remember. And even if they did, it it's not helpful if you tuck it in a paragraph of a description. True. Right? This is the first thing. This is step one. The Hindus have five elements. Yeah. It means um, something for it to be there. I also like that she says that the elements also are incorporated in how she structures the book yes right earth is how we do this step air is why we do this step water what is the mythology of this step and fire what is the mystical meaning of this step yeah i really love that you know she wants you to see the elements in everything you do because it's not separated from you yeah yes it's a good structure okay so here's something that that bothered me Yay! Yeah, okay. So she says early on, many people would say that there is no such thing as sin in witchcraft. Okay. But to violate life is to violate the goddess. So I would say murder and rape are every bit as sinful as other religions. As other religions, you know, say that they are. I don't know. I guess I've never seen my life as far as I am sinning. But murder and rape are just wrong. I mean, I just don't see them as a sin because... I don't see them as the word sin, something that is wrong. Anytime you hurt another person, and obviously with murder, you've taken their life. With rape, you're taking something very, I mean, it's something nobody gets over ever, right? It's mm-hmm. not like, you know, you forgot that this guy slapped you when you were 15 years old and you were doing whatever. You may forget a slap. You're not going to forget this. So this is something that's really a horrific thing that's done to somebody. Yeah, but... You know, so is maybe holding somebody up at gunpoint, breaking into somebody's house and tying them up, scaring the living daylights out of them, not touching them other than tying them up, taking their belongings or setting fire to their house. Why does the word sin just kind of bothers me? Like, it's just, why can't we just say it's it's wrong? It's, It's against humanity to do something against another person. I don't know. I think... I think about how I explain jargon to my students. Mm -hmm. Um, And I spent literally the entire first week of school like drilling into their heads the difference between the way you like colloquially use the word theory Mm -hmm. and the way a scientist uses the word theory. 
because in science, the word theory has a specific meaning that is different from the way that we use it in everyday life. And I think about the way that sin is used theologically. Mm-hmm. And it would, I, like, there's not a lot, there, there's not a lot here for me, but I, I find it very interesting the way that it is sort of used by Deborah versus the way that it's used in a Christian context or even in a colloquial context by people because I do think sin by definition is about offending deity, mm-hmm. right? It's about um, doing an act that is heinous to your God. I don't think... I don't think that it's wrong to equate moral wrongness with sin, especially if you are a religious person who believes in a or many deity. Um, but there are many witches that are atheists that don't believe right. in deity. I do think so that moral sinning? wrongness and sin are not the same thing. It's like a there's a Venn diagram. Right. No, I, I guess... Yeah. I guess my problem is just the fact that she says, no, you can say something is sinful as a witch. And she does say it's Wiccan, right? This is a Wiccan book. So I guess she clarifies there that people who are reading this work with deity so that she can yeah. use the word sin. I still don't like it, though. Yeah, I mean, I think... Just another reminder to everyone in the audience that we are not experts and we are discussing our own personal paths. <laughs> and you should make whatever decision you feel the most comfortable with in your religious journey. Well, and yeah. if you don't like the word sin, don't use it. Yeah, just like if you like it, use it. Yeah, I don't I don't have like a, a negative response to the word sin. My immediate thought is I would really like to to sit with the definitions of these words and unpack this and like really break down, which I don't think is worth 40 minutes of a podcast, but is something that I might do when we get off is really kind of spend the time. Cause I, I understand why you have that response. And I think probably many people who are listening to us will have that response too. And it's, it's just a very interesting quirk of language and of theology that that I would I will be spending time with now having had this discussion no I agree with you you know as somebody who was not raised to think of anything as being sinful there are things that hurt you and hurt others and things that don't hurt you and don't hurt others but I was never brought up to think of anything that I did as a sin so when I see sinful in a book like this I go okay because that means and you know what I always tell people to do the work so I gotta say to myself uh, Scorpio, do the work and figure out what sin means to you and what it means to people in general and how yeah. it's used, whether it's in a very religious context or whether people are just using this in their everyday language. I need to unpack this and figure this out too because it's not its not something in my vocabulary. Yeah. To have something be sinful. Um, all right. Here's something I do like, she said. Mm-hmm. Candles can be overused. Yes. Oh my God. Like, yes. Why can't water represent water? Why do you need a candle for water? Why is a fiery thing representing water is what she said. 
Yes. And you know what? Because nobody thinks about it, because somebody tells you you're going to light a candle to this. So you go out and you buy a candle for water and you set it up and you don't really think. And they're pretty. You see they the pretty, pretty pictures on Instagram of yeah. all the, you know, the 16 candles laying out with all the stuff around them. And you're like, oh, that's gorgeous. I want to be a pretty aesthetic witch. And like, I can't even, I can't even be mad about it because like, right. I get it. But yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of things we do that are just like reflexive in witchcraft that we don't think about before we do them. Yeah. And I don't think it's bad. I think anybody who comes to something new, something that's serious like this and new, you get excited to do the thing. Yes. So if you hear candles, you don't stop and go, why am I using candles? Well, let's see. You, know, you don't think that. You just go, okay, yeah, got it. A candle for every element. Boom, 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 boom. And you just do it. Yes. Um, but she says a proper symbol has to be real. It has to correlate to the thing that it's symbolizing. Or yeah. it kind of loses that. I think for whether you're casting a circle or not, you're just using the elements. If you really want to bring that water energy, the easiest thing to do is have a bowl of water. Or a yeah. chalice full of water. However you want to represent your water. Nothing's going to be easier than that. Yeah. But sometimes you need somebody to tell you, like, hey, wake up, because we're kind of, you know, just with blinders on, just going through yeah. doing these things. And it works for us, but wouldn't it work so much better if we use different things? She even says she uses incense for fire and air. Can I tell you something? I've thought of that. Because I'm like, hmm, it's burning. And, of course, I use the powdered incense. So you see the flames and then the incense comes. Why can't it represent both? But I always yeah. light a candle. Because that represents fire. Mm-hmm. You know. That was tough for me when I started because I remember being like, okay, well, I get that smoke is air, but like smoke is fire. Smoke is also earth because yeah. the smoke is the particulate. Yeah. So it's, I, and that, I mean, I don't cast circles now partially because I'm such an air person for air to be represented in such a weird way for me. I was like, nah, nope. Not doing that. And I think that what she's telling us all is it doesn't have to be what she says, but you should definitely take the time to think, Yes. what does this mean to me? And if incense can mean air and fire, great. If you don't see it as air, if you see it as fire and earth, awesome. Like, yep. it, it works. Um, the other thing she says is, remember, the gods are within. We don't technically need to perform ritual in order to reach them. Okay. Oh, you're making a face. Okay. Let me just say what I want to say about this. Okay? Yeah, say what you want to say. This is something my mother always said. You don't need all of that. As I've gotten older, and at first I would say, I don't have time for ritual. I'm a bad witch. Yeah. Because I don't have time. Because I go to work. I come home. I have to do a million things. And then I want to go to bed early because I have to get up early. And I always tell myself, you know what? I don't do this because I don't have time for ritual. Yeah. But when I read that, I sat with it for a minute. And I went, you can make time for almost anything in your life. The fact of the matter is, there's something about ritual that I am no longer excited about. Mm -hmm. It's not something that I feel... And I, it's not because I feel, oh, I'm too good for that. No, no, no. It's not about that. It's just there's something about me that I, I just don't want to do it. I just, I don't feel I need to. I 
do like to light a candle. I do like to light incense. I do like to talk to deity. I like to talk mm-hmm. to my ancestors. And I feel that can be done sans ritual. And I have been doing that for a while now. And just never wanted to tell people because I felt they were going to go, well, you're not doing the witch work. But the truth is, it doesn't, I don't feel that I'm any more invested when I do a ritual versus me just coming up to them as me, hello, right? And we're just going to sit and have this moment together without all the fanfare. Are you ready for it? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Okay. Um... The witch community, specifically Wiccans, but I think overall as a community, we define ritual in an incredibly limited way. It's got to be, a a ritual is casting a circle. A ritual is doing these prescribed steps from Gardner or from Crowley or all the way back. But I think about like, you do a, a daily like a, a thing, which is just a little quick thing that you do, but that's a ritual. A ritual is a repeated action. And I think that ritual is important, but it doesn't have to be the same six fucking rituals that everybody does. You know, for me, ritual is pouring out libations to the gods. It's I buy alcohol and I pour it out. And it's not even like I do it once a week or it's it's not regular. But it is a ritual. I have the same steps that I do every time I do it. Um, I have a ritual at a certain stoplight where I specifically thank Hermes. These are rituals. They are repeated actions to bring me closer to my gods. I, I personally, and again, this is just me, I personally feel ritual is really necessary. I think ritual brings the human mind closer to the headspace of the divine. But... I do not believe that ritual needs to be from a book, right? Ritual should be something that resonates with you, that you're able to do repeatedly, that fits in your daily life. And if that means, you know, praying before bed or giving the first bite of your food to your ancestors or the gods, it, do- you, it doesn't have to be casting a circle. Right. Casting a circle is a great learning tool, but it's not going to be useful for everybody long term, especially because it's a big ass ritual. It's a a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like ride or die for ritual. I am, but I am not ride or die for Wiccan pre-prescribed rituals. Yeah. I mean, we all have rituals, whether we're religious or not, right? How do you get up in the morning and get ready for work? I do the same steps that I do every Mm -hmm. single day because it works. Yeah. Right? Um, I put on my, what is it? The, um, oh, I can't think of the word. Before you put your foundation on, what is that? Primer. Primer. I put on my eye primer and my face primer, and then I do my hair while I let all of that set before I continue. Mm -hmm. That's a ritual. I do this, and then I do that, and only then do I continue with my makeup. But when I think of ritual, and you're absolutely right, those are all rituals, the little things that I do. I just don't think of it. I think of ritual as taking out my my picnic basket, really is what it looks Mm -hmm. like, and, you know, setting everything up. And, you know, and sometimes by the time I'm done with all that, I'm like... All right. I don't I don't even know. I'm like I feel like I spend more time doing the doing the thing than yes. actually what I wanted to do why I set this all up for. 
And I think that's one of the reasons why I especially love to do like those mundane magic sit and spells Mm -hmm. because ritual, especially in witchcraft, has gotten this really aesthetic um, sort of makeover where it's like it has to look a certain way, it has to feel a certain way. When in reality, if you want to feel closer to your gods, the best way to do that is to incorporate them in the rituals you already have. Right. If you are working with Aphrodite, if you worship Aphrodite, invoking her during your primer setting is a fantastic ritual. Yeah. And that's it, that counts. That's real. It's not not real because you didn't light a candle and incense and like meditate. Your religion. And this is okay. This is specifically because I'm talking about deity. I'm talking about religion here. Your religion, I feel, should be central to your life. It should be involved in your life, right? If you're using witchcraft as a spirituality or a craft, maybe you want to use the ritual because it's like a trance-like thing. I get that. But if we're talking about religious aspects of witchcraft, that should not be something where you put on a witch hat once a week. And call it a day. Then you're then it's just which church. Right. Any ritual that you do is a ritual. Anything you do repeatedly the same way is a ritual. And why why are they not as good? Why do we not value them when they're not witchcraft aesthetic? Okay, I, I think the answer is two things. One, gardener. No matter Preach. what tradition you are. I think yeah. we all come back to this one man who said, you got to do. The rules. These are the rules. Yeah. Okay, so that's one. Two, social media. We oh, have extra preach. All these people who are good with a camera, who know how to set things up, and then you go, what? My altar yeah. doesn't look like that, or what? My circle doesn't look like that. And then you start thinking, oh my God, what do I do? Here's something yeah. that I, d- I didn't really think about until you said that. Every piece of jewelry that I have has been consecrated. When I go to get ready in the morning, right, I go from putting on my makeup, now I'm going to go get dressed. The last thing I do is put on my jewelry. And I'm not talking about like my plastic fun jewelry that I wear. I'm talking about like my rings, my my silver, mm-hmm. my, my crystals. Not only do I look at what's going to go with what I'm wearing, but I think about what is my mood? What do mm-hmm. I need? Am I way too anxious this morning? What crystal should I go for? Mm-hmm. There is intention when I wear my jewelry. There's intention with my earrings that some people notice and some people don't. I have one particular earring that I always have on that I never take off. And it's there for a reason. I don't ever forget it's there. And I touch it multiple times during the day. It's a little pentagram. I'll just say it's a little mm-hmm. pentagram. And I have it as like, you know, one of the top little earrings on my, my left ear. It's intentional that it's on my left and not on my right. It's intentional when I touch it. And I see it several times a day to help me come back to my focus, to help me come mm-hmm. back to what I'm doing, right? Especially at work, you know, because we can get very stressed out at work with a lot of different <laughs> things and we need to sometimes yeah. just bring back. I will go to the bathroom, wash my hands and look at that that earring and just be like, okay, come back. It's all good. Why are you laughing? I, because I have a, I, it's not... It's a ritual. Fuck this. I'm telling yeah. everybody these are rituals. It's a ritual. I was about it's to say it's not a ritual. It's a fucking ritual. <laughs> um, washing my hands mm. is a ritual for my gods. 
Okay. Every single uh-uh. time. Because my gods care about cleanliness, right? Not having miasma. So for me, and I used to have a little song that I would sing with it, especially like during COVID, I'd be like, washing your hands is a devotional act. <laughs> washing your hands is a devotional act. But like, washing my hands is a devotional act. Being clean is a devotional act. That is a ritual that I do every day. And I didn't do it originally for the gods. I did it because it's a thing that you should do to not get sick and to be a clean person. But it happened to be also relevant and honoring to my gods. I also sing when I wash my hands, but I can attribute this to the owner of Moon Baby Salon in Salem. You should follow her. She's amazing. Uh, she it's serotonin on instagram she posted that. a meme that said for goths out there 20 seconds is basically the sisters of mercy their song this corrosion corrosion the hey now section hey now hey now now yeah i've definitely heard say that, that song. four times that little chorus mm-hmm. or whatever that's 20 seconds so i am I in the bathroom like singing that um, I always have that song it. stuck in my head. So, yeah. So, thanks to that meme and for Sarah for posting that because I freaking love it. Um, <laughs> so, what yeah, else? I just... Oh, wait, wait. I know what I wanted yes. to say. Something that she Tell mentioned. Because me. we're talking about the everyday. And she wrote yes. this and I just stopped reading and I went, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> a thousand times yes. She goes, Wiccans ha- hid their tools in plain sight. They didn't have the privilege to have a good chalice and their regular drinking chalice, they had a chalice and that thing worked for everything. Yeah, we we are so, goes back to, we get so excited to do these things Mm -hmm. that we run out and we go, I wanna buy this, I wanna buy that, I wanna have anathemy, I wanna have it. But the witches of old just, they had their stuff. If they were lucky, they may have had a spare that they used, but for the most part, they were using it. So basically, you should just, why do we have to separate, she says, the religious or the spiritual from the mundane, you don't. And I thought that was such a great message to have out there. I feel it needs to be in every book now. I especially think it needs to be in Wiccan books because I think it's this is almost, this is like galaxy brain shit. It was almost like performative, right? Gardner was like, oh, the witches of old, everything was in secret. But he had fancy ass shit. All the people in his coven had fancy ass shit. Gardner was like a high society dude, right? Like all these ceremonial magicians who would go on to found these original covens did have special shit. Well, they were separating their shit. But so that's... it's nice to have a Wiccan book to be like, I know that Gardner said this and didn't do it. You don't have to say it and not do it. You could actually do it. Well, see, but that's the thing. You hit it. When you said all these ceremonial magicians, that's what that is. It's not necessarily witchcraft. It's just being a ceremonial magician where the key word is ceremonial. Yes. The pomp and circumstance of getting all your fancy shit out and saying, look at my wand. I'm waving it around. Right. Yes, 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 yes. And of course, Gardner took from Crowley. So what did he take? Oh, so witches need to do that. But yeah. Yeah, why can't you use the stuff you have in the house that already has your energy, she says, because you've been using yes. it all day. I'm going to say the only thing I disagree with, though, is the broom. You should clean. And I think she says that yes. you should clean your space. You should clean it whether you're going to do ceremony or not. But if I have swept and mopped my floor, 
it's clean for me physically. Yes. The spiritual idea of cleansing, I do like having a besom for that. Just me. Yeah. Why? Because I don't want to use the same broom that was dirty and I, you know, kind of cleaned off, but it's still like, eh, right? Because it's cleaning yeah. the spiritual space. Again, I'm not saying that witches of old had two brooms, but that's the one thing that I would tell witches today. Have two brooms. If you use everything else from your house, but have two brooms, because one should be specifically for not cleaning the floor. Plus, you're going to throw that one out at some point and get another one. Yeah. So, uh, And buy your broom from Vagabond Spun, because they're the most gorgeous brooms I've ever seen. And I'm just looking across my office at my beautiful broom that's hanging up that I'm so obsessed with. It's, they, I, it's like an art piece. And also a religious tool, which is just great. This is not sponsored. I just love her. (laughs) I have two brooms. One is literally just decoration. It's a a large broom. I do not Mm -hmm. remember where I got it, but I'm obsessed with it. And the second one I got from Wee Bessums from Salem. Oh, I also love Wee Bessums. You're right. right. So that's my ceremonial broom. And that sits on my altar. Oh, and I will say for like us poor people uh, out there, cinnamon brooms are like really in now you can buy yeah. them at the grocery store uh love this they smell amazing so like you know if you're feeling cheapy grab one of those they're great well that's the other thing why can't we feel cheapy i mean i think it's nice to I feel cheapy all the time <laughs> right no but i think it's nice to treat yourself and say you know, yes i have the money for this broom and i've always wanted a broom so i'm gonna i'm gonna splurge on this but I don't think anybody should feel bad if they don't have the money to splurge. I don't think that's the point. Especially when you think about, like you said, things have never been better than they are right now. I think more people have access to things and do, yeah. do have you know a bit of disposable income that they could say. People of old that are maybe you know bartering their way to get things or they had to cherish their stuff forever. Yeah. So, and yeah, it's definitely charged. Using an athame that you use in your real life even though people say, well, it should only be for spiritual. But think about how much energy is in that knife if you're using it every single day. If it's you're the only one using it, it's your knife. That has a lot of energy, both spiritual and I, mundane. I say go for I it. I want an athame that I use for only two purposes. Mm-hmm. I don't use athames in my practice, but I want one now. I want to use it for spiritual shit, and mm-hmm. I want to use it for cutting potatoes. Okay, I'll bite. Why only potatoes? No, that's just, it's just, that's just, that's, I, it just feels right. Okay. I am a potato. My athame should only be cutting potatoes. I just really love potatoes and I feel like the energy of a potato is the kind of energy that I want to bring into my life at all times. Look, I'm not going to disagree there. I mean, if I can have <laughs> potatoes every day, I will eat potatoes every day. I love potatoes too. So yeah, I, I'm with you. Go for it. I love that. <laughs> so... What else is there? She talks about grounding, centering, and merging. Yes. Merging is an interesting one. Yeah. So she starts to talk about merging when it comes to groups, right? So if you're going to do a group ceremony, not only do you need to ground and center yourself, but you got to make sure that your energy is aligned with everybody else that's there, which makes 100% sense. If you're doing a ritual for something and one person's energy is off, you got to help them get to everybody else's energy, you know? Um, it's going to just make things a lot stronger. So yeah, I, I get that. It's nice to add because again, this book is doing that sort of deep dive into how ritual really works. Yeah. Um, and I don't, that's not a thing I've ever seen mentioned, mm. but a thing that is 
an incredibly useful step if you're doing ritual with other people. Yeah. Like just, I'm reading it and I'm like, oh yeah, uh uh-huh. Yes, thank you for putting words to this. I also like that she did the grounding and centering um, and merging for each of the elements. So depending on where you fall, if you're a water sign, what does that mean for you? And it never occurred to me to break it up this way, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so I'm going to be honest. I was marking everything in the book that pertained to a water sign. Yeah. And I loved all of her suggestions. I'm like, oh, man, I want to do this. I am going to do this. You know, I really liked it. I love her little um, footnotes at the end of, like, chapters and stuff. Yeah. Because not only is sometimes it a citation, and everyone knows how much I love citations, but, like, page 75, she's done talking about these, like, this merging and and grounding and centering stuff, and she's like, I find cigarette lighters to be ugly and incongruous. Wearing robes, working by candlelight, and using knives as tools, we have left the modern world behind. How jarring, then, to be brought back to it by a hot pink beak. I'm like, yeah, girl, I get it. That was such a, like, yes, thank you for putting your opinion in a footnote that I can read after I've consumed, like, the content that is teaching me things and then be like, oh, yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm." It's just fun. It's just fun. So is it, is it beak? I always said beak. I, I, no, I don't, I don't know. know. Well, I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, just because I say it doesn't mean it's right. I, I don't know. I have no idea. I feel oh, okay. like one time in high school, I heard a commercial and the commercial called them Beak. So I said Beak. Okay. But I don't know. I don't know either. Okay. I just thought that was If you know how to pronounce this, please write into the podcast. I always said I'm okay with being wrong. Bic Lighters. I don't know. I, would, I also would like to know. Bic Lighters feels more reasonable to me. I'm not gonna go back and edit it. We're gonna leave this in. I kind of just gonna be wrong. I kind of <laughs> like. I kind of like beak. It kind of gives it like, like is like it a beak? vibe. Yeah, like, like I'm using. I'm using my beak. You know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> I kind of like that. Anyway, um, what else? She also says, you know, she talks about elementals, and you know, we did a whole podcast on elementals. Yes. But I love that she says, "You really want to call on them? Like, like, do you really?" Like, really? think about it. Do you need them? Yeah. yeah. But then she starts talking about a lot of Wiccans use the guardians, guardians of the watchtower, which yes. are the archangels. Although some witches don't want to refer to them as archangels. And I didn't know how to explain it. I know we talked about it. And I was trying to explain to you about, about the archangels. And I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah, they're the guardians. Like, why didn't I just say that? But I didn't. And then she said it. And I'm like, yeah, that's the term I was looking for. They're the guardians. Yeah. I yeah, I don't like using angels in Wicca. Yeah. That's just a me thing. It's just it's just I don't like it. No, a lot of people don't like it. You're not the only one. There are Wiccans that don't like it. So I want to talk about her discussion of the Iliad. Yes. How it's in a, a series of bargains gone wrong. And I really like that because here we go into the different types of bargaining. First, let's talk about that. Yes. And let's talk about the Iliad. So you have worship bargaining. You know, basically yes. you are coming, you're doing a ritual because you are asking the gods for something. Then you have yes. a friendship bargain, which is we're equal, right? We're buds. And, yeah. you know, I'm going to be really generous with you and you're going to be really generous with me. And that's kind of how it's going to work. Then there's also familial bargaining where the yes. gods are not like, ooh, the gods, but more like your mom or your dad. 
right? Yes. So you were bargaining with your parents like, hey, let me stay out later or let me just do this, right? Then you have patron and matron deities. They're your personal spiritual mother or father. Then you have the professional deity, like the deity, like Bridget, she says, is the goddess of bards. So if you're a bard, she is your professional deity. And I have to admit, that's kind of how I came across my deity. I saw her more as a professional thing. Who she mm -hmm. is the goddess of resonated with me. And that's when I said, this is my goddess kind of thing. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting because I've never said this on the podcast, but she also talks about working with Kali. Oh, yes. And she has been a deity that I have worked with for a really long time prior mm -hmm. to... Are, gonna, are we going to get more of this? Or no, is it just not today. A little tip. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> just, just a little bit. That's fair. But I like the way she said, you know, she hadn't worked with um, Shiva, I believe, is what, who she didn't work with, right? And she said, but because of the connection to Kali, she thought she could reach out and it actually worked. Yes. So this idea of forming bonds with a particular goddess might open up the pantheon that this god or goddess is a part of, right? Their familial yes. bonds might now be your family as well. So I thought that was really good. But yeah, when I thought about bargains gone wrong, I said, ask Gemini about bargains gone wrong and the Iliad. So first of all, mm -hmm. um, in case anybody was wondering how much I love my husband, he has started reading the Iliad and the Odyssey just like before bed. And he just, like, I get text messages at work all the time of him, like, breaking down these scenes from the Iliad and the Odyssey, being like, this is so great. I love this part. This was so cool. And I'm just like, wow, this is how I know that I'm in the right relationship. <laughs> um, the So first things first, I have to correct some misinformation, okay. Miss Deborah. Um, she makes a comment that Homer didn't believe in the gods, and this was like a quaint rem... The fuck... No, incorrect, fundamentally incorrect. Oh, the Age of Heroes is pre-ancient Greece in the sort of mythological timeline. So Homer would have been writing in ancient Greece, pre-Hellenistic Greece, pre-Alexander Greece. They still they still worship the Greek gods. That's, they, they, come on. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was an absurd sentence. This is not a quaint remnant it was very much gods that people believed in and had daily and weekly and et cetera rituals in their homes and in their public spaces. Um, it, it, no. But it's not incorrect to characterize the Iliad as a series of bargains gone wrong. Um, there are a number of situations in the Iliad where mortals don't fully recognize how powerful the gods are. Um, and the ignoring, I just, I really don't want to get into like the fuck upness of a number of these things, but like thinking of Cassandra, who rebuffs the god Apollo and is cursed to never be believed. Um, Everyone knew that she that she was wrong for doing this in ancient Greece. They were like, wow, this is the stupidest woman for having done this. And no wonder she experiences this curse. Is that fair to her? Absolutely not. But 
there was this very accepted relationship. And if you fucked up a bargain with the gods, nobody looked at you and was like, oh yeah, I'm so sorry. Right, like you knew the rules. <laughs> and so yeah, there's a, there's a couple of places in the Iliad where like they knew the rules and they still, still pushed it. Um, but the Iliad is a really great place to start if you're interested in ancient Greek, uh, like Hellenismos, or if you're interested in the Greek deities, because it's very much a quid pro quo relationship that you have with the gods. You give to them and they will give back to you. Um, but the gods can never affect your fate. Um, Athena like straight up says this in the Odyssey. She straight up says it to Telemachus, but it's very clear in the Iliad and the Odyssey that they cannot change what's going to happen to you. Um, and we've talked about fate and karma. We talked about it. Really, I loved the conversation in the episode about um, fairycraft. That book, mwah, delicious. If you want to go back and listen to that, go for it. But um, the manner in which you treated the gods wasn't really like a, a familial or a patron matron. It was kind of that professional and into that worship. Like they weren't omnipotent. They couldn't. You know, it wasn't like Christian God where like he had his hands in all the pots. So it was very much, I'm going to give to you and you're going to give back. Um, I have a spicy take about deity right now. Okay. Um, that I've been, I've been mulling over a lot ever since we spoke to Ty Pelly about re-indigenizing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like the way that Wicca, especially in the early 2000s, um, changed the relationship with deity. Because especially in, in the early 2000s, there was very much this pick and choose energy of which gods and goddesses were going to represent the god and the goddess. Um, ancient Greek deity is indigenous to ancient Greece. Um, the Egyptian gods are indigenous. The Celtic gods are indigenous. And so it fucks me up to see, and it's, it's, it's white people who literally like in, have connections to these deities back through their ancestors who are like, I'm gonna just take this God completely out of context. I'm going to put them in this position that they never would have been in their traditional practice. I'm going to learn very little about them in the context of their traditional practice. And then I'm going to worship them and think that that's the representation of, of, you know, Bridget or Diana. And I'm watching it on TikTok and it's, it, I'm losing my mind. These people who are like collecting deities. Oh, I work with Freya. Oh, I work with Aphrodite. Oh, I work with Lucifer. Why is it okay why is it okay for us to take gods from Europe and from ancient practices and just rip them from their cultural context? Why is that all right? Why are we as white people so okay with that? Because we wouldn't need a section of a book to be like, these are the different types of relationships you could have with your deity. You would know, based on the cultural context of that deity, the appropriate way to worship them. 
But we don't. We don't. We just rip them out of the context that they came from. And we're like, oh, yeah, Lord Lucifer, like, hangs out. And he really likes when I light candles for him. And he, like, yeah, Lord Lucifer? Mm-hmm. Okay, He's so your homie? I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking of that TikTok where everybody uses, because mama said that it was okay. Yes. Right? <laughs> okay, so I think that people do that because mama said that it was okay. Because Buckland, right? I hate it. Said that it was okay, that these are the gods. And, of course, he got that from who? Gardner, because these I'm are the gods. Punch well, him. Well, hold on a second. But again, <laughs> I feel like you cannot go back in time and tell those people you were wrong. Are they wrong? Yes. But this is what they knew then, right? You can't go back with you know present knowledge and go back and fix all the mistakes you did in the past. No, right? that's some colonizer shit. They colonized those religions. First of all, for Gardner, he wasn't colonizing anything. It was his land it was he was he was doing it where he came from yeah but he did it with a colon he listen let's not pretend like the british isles don't have a lot of colonizer mindset going on up in there Well, no of course but i'm just saying when they talk about and yeah i mean they're talking about a lot of the celtic gods but you know look let's go back to this whole i'm tight about it i'm tight so i like the familial sorry the friendship way of seeing things so here's the thing the tainos didn't have gods right the semis are not gods they're ancestors the mm-hmm. spanish when they got there were like oh they're worshiping their gods no they're not worshiping their gods they're actually having conversation or ritual with people that are no longer here in the physical sense yes. but are here in the spiritual sense so boom right? Here is Yukahu. This is our ancestor. This is the semi of Yukahu. This is a sacred thing because our ancestors are sacred. We're sacred. Everything's sacred, right? Yes. But depending on who you talk to, you're going to get the, oh, they're gods. Probably not gods at all for some of these people. We don't know, right? For the different traditions. But I can tell you right now, at least when it comes to the Caribbean, no, they're not our gods. So when I look at deity other deity, I see them the way I see my ancestors, right? They are, they are some energy, more than anything. When I think about some of the older gods, and let's just take someone like Kernunos, Kernunos has his own mythology, but it is people that have built that mythology. It is people that have worked this energy, of whatever he mm-hmm. represents. So that every time somebody does ritual to Kernunos, they are building that energy. That energy is more real than the actual God because the God is something mm. that was made. You see what I'm saying? See? Man made these myths. Just like man created, you know, a lot of different things. Now, hold on a second. I'm not saying that everybody has to believe this. I'm just trying to give you my insight. Yes. Right, for me. So for me, these myths were written by men. If I'm going to tell people, well, the Bible was written by men. Yeah, but the story of Caridwin was brought by the gods. Come on. A man sat down, right? And when I say a man, I mean mankind sat down and wrote these myths with a certain thing in mind. When we think about the ancient Greeks, we know from Socrates, who in my mind, after being raised on Bill and Ted movies, he's always going to be Socrates to me. Okay, Uh. (laughs) So Socrates and Aristotle had these ideas about what poetry, art, and theater should be, right? Should it just be art for art's sake? Or are we really training 
Greek citizens to be better Greek citizens. If that's the case, then you have these stories that give people the groundwork for how they need to behave. Behave yourself because this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. That will build a better Greek society way, way, way back. So are we going to look at the myths from, you know, Norse mythology, Celtic mythology, and go, well, these came, these are divinely sent? No. The people of those times that lived there, right, because they're indigenous, Mm -hmm. said, we need to build community. These are the things they need to understand. And they wrote these myths about them. So when I look at it as somebody who does not come from those countries, I go, oh, but this myth resonates with me. I like this. This makes sense. So I do take from that, and I do have Celtic gods on my altar. But I don't see them as my gods. And this is probably the first time that I'm saying this um, on the podcast. They are the collection of energy that ancient people and modern people have put into these gods with the attributes that we need them to have. So when I do that, I am tapping into the energy, not just of ancestors, I'm tapping into the energy of every witch on here who has done a similar ritual and built the mythos of these gods up. And that energy is palpable. That energy is real because we have created it, whether it's us ourselves, somebody else like There could be a Canadian witch doing the same ritual I'm doing to Carradwen. Guess what? It's going to work because we have built, we're continuing to build into the energy of who Carradwen is. But if I'm going to sit here and tell you that Carradwen is an actual goddess, I'd be lying to you. See, and I don't fuck with any of that. Right. Uh, Like that, and that's, that's why we have said from the beginning, you got to sit down and you got to do the work. Right. Because for me... I don't disagree with you, right? I, I, that myths are made by man and that man puts energy into deity. But I do disagree with you that these deities are not like separate things. Um, and I almost, I guess, and I think this comes from thinking so much about re-indigenizing and the way that we have to treat indigenous practices. We can't, we, white people, white people, can't impose our understanding of deity on indigenous practices like right. the Semis from Taino or, you know, other indigenous practices. But then that makes me think back to, well, we've done that already to our own gods. Mm-hmm. And are you tapping into the energy of Caridwin or are you tapping into the energy of people working with the idea of Caridwin. Right? Yeah. Like, I because I see each deity as their own separate individual entity, mm-hmm. there is also the option to have a thought form of that entity, which is not the actual deity, because it's not representative of what that deity is, you know, if you want to think about it like like a galaxy, right? The energy that these people are putting into it coalesces into a star. Right. But you can work with energy that is similar to that star without working with the star. Right. And so, like, when I see people who are, like, collecting deities, 
that's very much, okay, you're working with the archetype of this deity, deity, deity. I don't know why I say it 600 different ways. You're working with the archetype of this deity, but you're not working with the deity. Right. Because this deity doesn't work in the way that you are portraying them. See, I think it's easy for me to say that I work with ancestors because they're not something created. I can show you a picture of my great-grandmother. Like, she's there. I cannot show you a picture of the Zemis. I can show you a Zemi. I can show you that. But I can't show you, like, their ancestor, the energy behind it. But it's an ancestor. When I talk about other traditions, namely, let's say, the Celtic pantheon, because we mentioned Karen when. Yeah. I still need to do a lot more digging into Caribbean to know what people believed, mm-hmm. right? Did this person ever exist? Are we talking about an ancestor? Or are we talking about actual yeah. deity? Or are we just talking about a man-made myth and therefore the deity is just energy that people have poured into it? I don't know. And I'm hoping that throughout the years and through my reading, I will get closer yeah. to an answer to, let's say, specifically Caribbean. So I think... I think it could be any of these things. It could be maybe something completely brand new. I don't know. Yes. Right? I'm open to anything for these uh, particular deity. So, you know, who knows? It's I. It's something I want specifically white practitioners to consider because, first of all, I am so mad about Gardner. This whole episode has just made me more angry at this man. But, um, you know, I do think that the modern neo-pagan movement is kind of inherently built on cultural appropriation and cultural appropriation from other cultures and also appropriating his own historical culture mm-hmm. in a way that was like, this works better for me. And it just, it just upsets me because I, it feels, it feels disrespectful and it feels like this disrespectful attitude that's been cultivated is part of the reason why we end up with people who are like, yeah, um, I, I, I worship the, uh, I worship my ancestors and I also, um, I work with the Loa and I also worship Lucifer and the Greek gods and also Odin. And it's like, it feels deeply disingenuous for practitioners to want to be, you know, oh, we're a real religion. Oh, this is really deeply spiritually important to us. And then kind of try on God's, like, clothes. Yeah. It, it just, it rubs me the wrong way. Okay, so, I don't know. This I, I don't think this is getting off topic. I'm just trying to think of ways to, to talk about this. Um, going back to TikTok... We should probably talk about TikTok at one point. Yeah, we're going to have to do that. <laughs> so, you know, I follow different people. And this one person said th- something. And if I could have, like, reached through my phone and given him a hug and said, thank you. Mm-hmm. So he was saying that he goes, I-, I can't I can't include as part of my spiritual practice the colonizer's Christianity. Yeah. And I was like, thank you. Right? Because so many people point to things like Santeria or Palo uh, and they say, well, you know, this is this is our spirituality. And I go, yes, because somebody brought this over. But yeah. I, we have our, we had one beforehand. But yeah. people like to mix. The question is, is mixing good? Is not mixing good? You know, everyone's going to have their own take on this. And 
you know, some people might argue, well, I have to try on these gods because I don't know which one works. Like, what if I try something that doesn't work for me? I think if you're doing it with reflection and respect, right, um, I think you could. I know it's not what you mean, though. When you say try on, like people are just switching up whatever it is they use versus saying, okay, I, I started with this god or goddess and yeah. this isn't working. I think I need to go a different route. I guess what I am saying on this podcast is that I ask, um, especially especially white people, but people in general, put a little bit of reflection specifically into what deities you're working with and why. Because I do think that there's sort of this push that witches have to have a deity or to have deities mm. um and whether i would like to personally blame gardner for that or other things is separate but you know you you don't have to have deity and so if you're choosing to have deity why um because i and this is i this is partially because of my practice like the way that i interact with my gods is a very reverent and very respectful thing and I don't we've talked about I don't work with them in like that gardener way so for me if you're working with deity because you need things and the deity is going to give them to you that feels feels weird to me right is where's it why is this higher being that is like so much closer to the cosmic collective your like fetch dog no so i just you know and i listen i could be projecting i could be projecting people could be being very good about it and i'm just only seeing what i see on the internet which we've discussed is a terrible place to consume witchcraft content because it's all aesthetic but just Put a little bit of thought into why you, why deity? Why do you need it and why is it in your practice? I mean, for me, I, I totally recognize the hypocrisy of saying in my indigenous practice, I don't want any Christianity, but yet I have carried wood on my altar. Right? I mean, yeah. that's kind of like colonizer mentality too. Like I'm going to take this God because this is what the witch papa gardner said that we need to do and other yeah. gods have said we need to, other gods other people have said <laughs> yeah, other gods of wicca <laughs> other people have said we need to do yeah my whole thing is i always thought i had this one thing and then i had wicca right mm-hmm. my peanut butter was here my chocolate was here and i'm not going to mix my chocolate with my peanut butter and the more that i mix my chocolate with my peanut butter i have asked all right so i don't want Christianity, but I have no problem instead of saying guardian, saying archangel. Mm-hmm. I use that term instead of guardian, even though now I'm like, oh yeah, that's really what I meant because that's how I see him, but I right. still call him an angel. I have Caridwen, who's a goddess in a Celtic pantheon, and I don't have a problem working with her. I'm going to say that for me now, and by now I mean the day this podcast comes out, <laughs> because in a month from now, it could change. And I yeah. like that it changes, okay? Um, right now, I have built a relationship with her. I am comfortable in in her, mm-hmm. right? I am comfortable in my practice and in my altar. And everybody's on my altar. If you see my altar, you wouldn't know what is going on. You wouldn't know <laughs> what my practice is or yeah. 
But until I figure out that maybe, yeah, is that colonialism? Should I really be getting rid of anything that I've worked with? But then I think, damn, when you build a relationship with somebody, do you then turn around later and say, well, no, because you're part of the problem. I'm out of here. Like, is she yeah. part of the problem? Like, I don't think she's part of the problem. I don't think she asked for anybody to bring her to the United States. But she's here now. Yeah. So I don't think she hates it either. Uh, even yeah. though I say she as though she were a goddess and I just finished telling you it's energy. Again, that energy is still working here. People are still working very successfully with the energy of Caridwen. So I think that if it wasn't going to work, it wasn't going to work. By that means people are working with Christianity in their uh, bruja practice. I guess it works for them. I think you just have to figure out what works for you. But I think you're 100% right where you say, you got to think about it. You yeah. can't just go, I'm doing it. Sit down. You know, if you're just figuring it out now, if you're just like, if your mind is kind of like blowing right now because you're thinking, wow, sit with it today. Sit with it for a couple of days. Yeah. And see what you think. Like I said, today right now, Carolyn is on my altar with a bunch of other things. I will keep you posted. I promise to tell you on the yes. podcast if she ever comes down. And I, I don't want people on and the why? podcast to think that I'm saying, like, you need to take down your altars. Right, right. Because, no, f- fuck me. If I, That would right. be terrible. Right. I think that there's a space for us as we move forward to navigate new relationships with yeah. these gods that might be allowing for their old traditional aspects to be more at the forefront. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I'm going to be real. I'll, I'm going to be real, real with you on the podcast right now. A lot of this comes from not Caridwin or Kernunos, but comes from the way people talk about the Norse and Greek gods, because mm-hmm. it's very, it's, And it's a thing that I have been watching happen for the last 20 years. And I just am exhausted by it every time. Like, people think they're married to Loki. Or that, um, you know, Aphrodite is hexing their exes. Or, you know, Freya is sending them a cat every single day to encourage them to do their self-care. And I'm like, that's that's not how these gods interact with the world. So... Yeah, listen, I'm having a moment. I'm having a personal moment that is probably, I'm sure my brain is going to modify my opinion on this as time goes on. So we will definitely come back and talk about it at a later point. But um, I just, you know, I think it's important to know what the gods were. Yeah. You know, I, Loki is, important. Loki has a lot of mythology and he's not just the hot guy from Marvel. Well, what I think, I think that it would be good going into the next season for us to start taking not just different, we kind of, you know, tiptoed, put our, not tiptoe, we put our toe in the water. In the water. This season, yeah. To talk about different traditions. I think next year we should do some deep dives into mythology and maybe different, some lighter dives into other traditions. Yeah. And I think the most important thing is, and you said it, you know, I'm having a moment. I'll come back to this. We are not the same witches we were in season one. No, we're not. From these conversations. And and also because we have these regimented conversations. You and I always had yeah. conversations. But we didn't say, okay, Gemini, I'll see you next Sunday and we'll talk yes. about this. Like, we didn't do that. You know, it's just whenever we got together, we'd talk about stuff. Yeah. So I think the fact that we are talking about this 
in a regimented way. If we weren't taking it seriously, the way we ask people to take it seriously and do the work, we yeah. wouldn't be changing. We wouldn't be changing our minds. Yeah. I spoke to you about a podcast we did not that long ago where I said, you know what? I think I already changed my mind from what I said. Yeah. You know? And it's it's like, I, I think, if anything, I hope people take away from this that you're, you're a right to grow and to change yes. your mind and to totally change your practice or not. Right. But if you do it with reflection and go, you know what, that thing that I did 20 years ago, it's still valid for me today because of and not because you have to explain it to somebody else, but because you deeply have done the work, reflected yeah. on yourself and said, for me, this still works and I'm going to keep it that way. And that's awesome. I don't think that people have to change. But I think people need to take stock of themselves every once in a while and go, why am I still doing this in this book? I think. If people want to start this road to reflection on everything in their process. It's a really good book to start This with. is where you start. If you do ritual, especially if you're Wiccan, obviously. But if you've been like, you know what? I kind of do the Wiccan circle, but I'm not Wiccan and blah, blah, blah. Read this book. Read the book. Yeah. Because it'll make you look at even, okay, even the pentagram, right? Yeah. To invoke yes. and to banish. There's a different one because right water is in one direction you know fires in the other if you're working with a fire sign you should be doing it this way to invoke yeah. it to banish that blew my mind because i've only done it the first way the first way that she mentioned which is yeah. what everybody knows the fact that she did that will i use it absolutely i thought that made so much sense right so yeah, yeah i think this book is something that i feel everybody should read even if you're not wiccan i feel like did you feel like you got a lot out of it it was the reason that I think everybody needs to read this book is because for so many of us coming to witchcraft started with Wicca. Yeah. Wicca overwhelmingly tends to be kind of the door that we walk into witchcraft with. And so this was so useful. One, because it really validated a lot of the choices that I've made to like not do some of these things. Mm -hmm. But two, because no one explains it to you. No right. one explains it. Yeah. So, you know, I hope nobody has anything negative to say about her because there have been authors that we've been completely ignorant to some of the crazy things oh, yeah. that they've done. God, so, I hope this person is a normal person. I mean, if she isn't and you want to let us know, it's going to break our hearts, but definitely let us know. Oh, no, definitely like tell know. us. Yeah. But if not, you know, Deborah, Lip, I love you. Yeah, I... Right? I she love can this. stay for now. Yeah, I think she's somebody else that we're going to come back to, just like we said, we're going to come back to uh, Christopher Penzak. Yes. I think that these are authors that you know, Absolutely. are modern, more modern than some of the other stuff, and that we can definitely learn a lot from, no matter how long you've been practicing. Yeah. So, love it. And on that note, thank you so much for listening. You guys are an amazing audience. I love that you enjoy our hot takes and put up with my ramblings. <laughs> Um, please keep reaching out to us, send us emails, hit us up in the DMs. If you see us at events, come talk to us. Um, we were just at Moon Serpent and Bone. And obviously, as things open up, we're going to be coming to as many events as we can get to. Um, thank you. No, no. I, I also yes. want to say thank you to the listeners because I feel like I talk a lot of shit. <laughs> and I feel like I could be really obnoxious. So thank you for like, you know, bearing with me and realizing that sometimes I say shit and then like the podcast has just gone up and I will say to Gemini, yeah, no, that, that was, I don't even, I don't even feel that way anymore. So, so thank you for bearing with me. That's it. That's all I want to say. 
Thank you, of course, to Sean McShane for our intro and outro music. And remember, if you are following the moons, you are following us. 